0: Okay. Hi, and welcome to Quilt Connections. I'm Karen and today we are talking with Jane Gottschall of Plain Jane Threads. Hi, Jane.
1: Hi, Karen. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. How are you? I'm
1: doing great, thanks.
0: Good, good. So first I have to tell I have to ask you about Plain Jane Threads. Where'd you get the name for that company?
1: Okay. Well, way back when I decided, okay, I need to get a website up. I am the worst at trying to name something. I mean, it can take me even like you know for your email and everything. It's like, oh come on! And then the name's taken. I'm like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. So actually, the name came one um, of my name and it. I knew that, and I started thinking about it. So the way I do it was plain Jane threads. My name is Jane, so that's kind of the no brainer of the whole thing. And then I said, okay, plain Jane. And when people say plain Jane, that can be, you know, not such a good thing, and it can just be boring or, you know, quiet or introverted. But to me, it meant, well, it's like a plain canvas, like a blank canvas, something that's new, that's fresh. It's a starting point, so you can go anywhere with it. So that was the plain Jane part. And then threads, um, threads can be, that was pretty easy, too, because to me, that could be, you know, what we use when we sew our things together and what we use to embellish stuff and I do garments as well, so threads can also be garments, and, um, you know, I start thinking about it, it's just warp and the west, and I can get all esoteric with it, ah. <laughs> but, you know, it's just like when you're making a tapestry, and then I thought, well, then that kind of reminds me of life, you know, like the warp and west of life. So it kind of came together with plain Jane thread. So taking something plain, making it into something beautiful or inspiring or something to help you inspire your creativity. That's what I came up with. (laughs) Oh, that's
0: a great name. That's a great name. Well,
1: thank you. Thank you.
0: Well, first let me ask you, um, let's go back a little bit. When did you start crafting or sewing? How long have you been doing that, and who taught you?
1: Well, I pretty much self-taught. I can remember sewing and knitting Um, Oh gosh, Uh, I guess like maybe 12 years old is like the first, I can really think about it, but it's kind of funny because we all want to get something fancy to start with. And I can remember my mother got me from a sewing machine, it was a spot from way back, Um, from a club. They used to, it wasn't Spiegel, but it was one of those things where she had to put money down each month. Oh, uh uh-huh. I don't know if you were, you're probably old enough to remember those. But finally, I got my sewing machine. I had no sewing table, and I would sit on our couch and put the, I played the piano, and I would put the sewing machine on a piano bench, (laughs) and that's how I sewed. Oh, that's cute. That that was pretty much through all all my uh, beginnings and teenage years and everything else until I went off to college, and then finally, I guess, I got a machine. And I taught myself to knit, too. Nobody in my family, I had a, a great aunt um who knitted and we talked about it a little bit but not so much and no and she sewed as well but we weren't really you know, we didn't get together and do things but nobody else in my family did. And um I just like to do it and even in home ec Remember, we made an apron, and that took six months. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, right! This apron, but I still love sewing. So, yeah, I'm pretty much self-taught. Oh,
0: okay, okay. So, jump jumping forward, uh, mm-hmm. quite a few years. You and I met yeah. at the Charlotte Quilters Guild. When did you start quilting?
1: Um, back in well, I got married back in '75, and the the centennial, um, or bicentennial, rather, was. You know, the next year, and people were starting to talk about quilting. And in my husband's family, we're from Pennsylvania originally, in Philadelphia area. Um, he's Mennonite, and some of his, one of his aunts was, a, and his church, they actually used to get the women together to do the old-fashioned quilting bees. Sure. Where everybody would get together, and the frame would go up, and all this. And I was, you know, this young little thing, newly married, and I wanted to get in on this, and. No one would talk about it. <laughs> so I'm like, "Well, how do you get in on this thing?" So I just kind of felt like, "Well, there must be some kind of something," or maybe they didn't think I was serious. So I started going around to some of the sewing shops that were in the area where we lived, and I picked up a quilting book and I just and I think I bought a pattern to do a little nine patch wall hanging, which I still have. Really, And really? I take it around when I yeah, take it around my lecture to let people. You see, (laughs) because I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I had no clue. But um, every patch, and it's tiny. It's just a tiny little thing. But all those squares were cut out by hand. Um, I did stitch them on the machine, and I think I partially machine and partially hand quilted it. It's real peaceful. (laughs) (laughs) But um, that's how I learned, and you know, it was before rotary cutters, before anything. But I really fell in love with, you know, I just thought, well, clothing, you know, it it was getting harder to make clothing, um, you you know, with the fit thing and all that. And children were coming around the corner, and once that started, the clothing thing kind of went out uh, for a little while. And I just got hooked on it, and I took a a clothing class, it was a sampler class, and rotary cutters were just coming around. Yep. So, I'm I'm very grateful that I had that because we learned to do everything. I'm talking we made templates with sandpaper on the back to yep. you know, hold on our fabric and still cut everything out individually. But it taught me a lot of skills that benefit me even to through to today. So I didn't quote yes, yeah, that's a long time
0: i didn't Right, right. Well I remember when um you know, sitting next to it, sitting next to you, you always brought a project, a hand project, kind of like little hexes and um, uh, hexagons that you would uh, piece together, and I always found those very interesting, and I was I was always looking over your shoulder, and I know that you really like English paper piecing, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit right. b- more about that.
1: Yeah, well, I, I've been doing it, it always cracks me up, because I know it's a hot ticket right now, Right. and... It's one of the oldest techniques, I think, that's been around. And I really got hooked on that. Um, we're both members of the Charlotte Quilt Guild, like you said. And years ago, we had an exhibit come to the Men Museum, craft and design here in Charlotte, and we were lucky enough. I don't know if you were members then or you got to go, but we got to go to Behind the Scenes, um, and the docents actually handled the quilts for us, not all of them but some of them, so we could see the back of them. Um, and not all of them were finished, and it was an exhibit from, I want to say the 1700s. Oh, wow. Late 1700s, probably, yeah, to like the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Most of them were probably in the 1800s. And not all of them could be really dated accurately, but they knew, you know, basically there. And they had a little quilt there um, that was half inch hexagons, And I just fell in love with it. Um, it was absolutely beautiful. And that was one of the first, and it was a different. Layout and I had seen of grandmother's flower garden. Um, it was just different, and I became obsessed with it. And then I also found when we before we moved here to Charlotte 20-some years ago, I saw a picture in a book in the library because back in the 80s, it was not like it is now. There was just not that much out there of a tumbling blocks and stars design mm-hmm. from the 1800s, and it was made out of silk and velvet. It was absolutely gorgeous I have not been able to find that book I don't know the name of the book I have a page number where the quilt was on and I have a black and white photocopy of that and I was I always wanted to make it so but that kind of sat in the shelf too and I'm thinking okay well now I know that this little quilt that I saw here in Charlotte was English paper pieced and i had heard of it I started looking into it and then back in about 2000 I found a magazine from England. I haven't seen it since. They're still in publication. That's another part of the story. But there was a quote in there uh, made by a woman named Margaret Meath who lived over three centuries. She was born in the 1700s, lived all through the 1800s, and passed on in the 1900s at 110. Oh, my gosh. And she, yeah, yeah. She was one of the oldest women, uh, people, her people, man or woman, at that point that had been documented you know proving that yes she was indeed that old and had to live that whole time but there was a quilt in there that she had made that someone found in a little living cottage museum um over in england and i i just became obsessed with this whole thing so i started my quest of english paper piecing and i used everything that was known to mankind then and tried some of my own and i was so frustrated because I wanted those tiny stitches. I wanted it to be crisp, and I couldn't get the effect. And then, fast forwarding a few years, I found out about mylar, and it changed my world. And that's what you see me carrying around <laughs> everywhere. I use mylar instead of paper, right? And the, the for my shapes. And the advantages of that: you cannot sew through the mylar. Right. Um. When you base, I, I still base. I'm not a gluer, although I know I've I. Some of my students have said they glue them. I'm like, okay, uh, and it'll come off. But I, it takes seconds to just do a quick baste around it. They're on there tight as a drum. And the real advantage is when you go to sew them together, um, you can't sew through the mylar. And your finger just glides along the top. So you get tiny, tiny stitches, not trying. It's just your hand and your mind work together, and you get in the rhythm, and that's just how it turns out. And then when you're done and you have them surrounded on you know, on all six sides or three sides or whatever shape you're using, you pop them out. And you can use them over and over and over again. I I, I just fell in love with it. So I've been, and I call it English piecing mm-hmm. because I don't use paper. So I feel stupid saying paper piecing.
0: Mm-hmm, <laughs> I'm
1: mm-hmm. using the paper. But that's the story on that. And I, I just, I don't know how many quilts I've made. I love it. And I finally did make that stars and uh, tumbling flops and stars quilt my own version of it not in silks and velvet and that's the method I use mm-hmm. so um, I only I don't only hand piece but to me there are certain quilts and that it seems like all oh, it takes forever it really doesn't and I would rip as much as I sewed if I had to do those on the machine but I love them right that's when I started looking into the Mylar, and I've come up with some of my own patterns, and um, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, the
0: one thing, though, that I noticed about your Mylar that is different from everybody else's, and the reason I bought them from you, is because you have a little hole in the center,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: and you can pin them, pin the fabric. Tell me where that came no. from,
1: so it doesn't okay, well, slip you around. Can, you can pin the fabric. Now, I haven't, yeah, we haven't really been a sight of each other for a while. <laughs> no. So I'll catch up. Um, yeah, I still do that. You can still do that. However, I hurt my finger about two, three years ago, and it was hard for me to get a good hold on everything. It was something stupid that I did. So I Wonder Clips, you're familiar with those, yes. correct? Mm-hmm. Those little tiny clips. Um, I start, I thought, well, let me just try this. And that's what I use. I don't pin anymore. The mm-hmm. hole's in there, so you can use it to pin. And also if you want to go ahead and use it to help it pop out, mm-hmm. it don't really um that can help it too, but the wonder clips really made a huge difference and they truly, truly, truly um you know, they they help hold it even tighter than the pin does. Oh cool. So I'll just use the wonder clip or two. Yep. So you don't have to pin, but you could.
0: Oh, okay. Well I like the pinning method because it holds it real taut.
1: Yeah, well, try it with the wonder clip. Oh, okay. <laughs> um for the tiny ones, you really only need one, but sometimes if it's, you know, if it's like a, over a half inch, sometimes I'll put two on there. And I thought, oh, it's going to be a pain to move it. It's not. I mean, takes seconds. It, it's not a big deal. Okay. But, you know, you know, that's why there's vanilla and that's why there's chocolate. So you can do whichever method you want. They both work.
0: <laughs> sure, sure. And so you sell these templates, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, I sell, I sell acrylic fabric cutting templates and then I also sell the Mylar in in packs, and I have all different shapes and sizes.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Um, Let me also ask you about uh, something else we had chatted about. You have a different technique for foundation piecing.
1: Tell me about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I also love, I use my machine. I do use my machine a lot as well. I love paper uh, foundation piecing, uh, and I've done it for a long time. Um, I've Done different methods of it, and the uh, and they're good. My problem became I like to work small, and I like to do really intricate pieces. Right. And at some sometimes I would have oh it seemed like six to eight or more seams all coming together in the center, and I'd be left with this lump of paper in there oh, yeah. that I just couldn't get out. And I'd fiddle with it way too much when I was trying to tear the paper off. Um, and then I'd either pop stitches or occasionally poke a hole or do something, and it just bugged me. And, I mean, nobody likes to rip that paper off anyway, yeah. but that wasn't the big thing. It was just I had too many themes coming together for the designs I was doing, and I just wasn't happy. So I started playing around and playing around, and I've been teaching this now probably a good 10, well, probably 15 or more years now, I print my designs, the the easiest way to say it is I print it on freezer paper, Uh and I have a couple tricks that I use, and when you're, as you're sewing, you're pressing the fabric onto the freezer paper and folding and pressing and folding and pressing, so when you're done, you have never sewn through the paper, Uh and then all you have to do is peel it off, and Uh off it comes. No ripping of paper. And the best part of it is, you can use it over and over again. I usually can make about eh, six to ten blocks, or you know, things off of one printed out design.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: And when yeah, you, are it has a lot of advantages.
0: Oh, when and so just so I understand the freezer paper, are you putting the freezer mm-hmm. paper on the top of the fabric or on the underside of the
1: fabric? Okay. um... It's hard. I, I said, I've explained this to people. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. They get home and go, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> it's easy to see, and I, ha- I am trying to get some videos up, but I do teach it as a class. Yeah, what I would do, um, say with New York Beauty, okay? We're going to do a New York Beauty, and we're doing just one arc with, you know, you got your spikes and all that jazz. So I would first iron the paper onto the iron sorry, iron the fabric, the wrong side of the fabric to the wrong side of the freezer paper, the shiny side. So the shiny side, yeah. Then you fold along the line that you're gonna sew on and your fabric's sticking out about a quarter of an inch, line up your fabrics and you just sew along that fold line. Okay. And then once it's folded, then you're gonna press it back onto the freezer paper, you're gonna trim it up, place your next fabric, and on you go, on you go, on you go. So at the end of that arc, you have everything ironed onto that arc, and then you can just, once it's trimmed, you just peel it right off and okay. use it again.
0: Okay. Very cool. Very
1: cool. I know. It's, it's hard to, you know, I'm very visual. I'm a visual learner. Right. I'm a doer. So until I see it and do it, I'm like, uh huh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's super easy. It takes way longer. I always tell my classes when I teach, it's like, oh, I can't wait to learn this. And the, but it's so anticlimactic because it really is easy. It's just a matter of seeing how it's done.
0: Okay, great, great. Um, Let's see, what kind of fabrics do you like to use? (laughs)
1: Um, I don't know why. i seem like the last 15 years everything seems to be happening. And then I've been using a lot of solids lately. Um, Not that I don't like prints. I do. I like pretty much every kind of fabric. But there's just something about solids. I like my quilts to be able to stand the test of time. And I think when you use solids, that's an advantage it gives you. They don't look as, oh, yeah, that's when that fabric (laughs) is in style. or the You know, you can tell my first sampler quilt that I talked about then, we have the 70s lovely, that dusty blue and mauve color. (laughs) thing That was so popular. Right. Um, All those prints are in that. So you could date that one without even having to do a lot of research. But when you use the solids, I I, I just like the way they look. And I like to use, I use cherry wood fabric a lot. That's the hand-dyed fabric. Uh And then I also use oak shot cotton, Um, another one of my favorites. They come from England. And they're made on a silk loom. They're cotton, but they can have the look of silk to them because of the way they're woven.
0: Oh, that sounds good. They're two
1: of my favorites, yeah.
0: Yeah, So you were basically modern before everybody else was modern, right? No,
1: uh, I was like, please don't ask me that question. Oh, no, I'm just saying (laughs) that. Okay, no, we didn't talk ahead. I didn't say don't mention. No, like I I, said in the beginning, I think everything old is new again. Um, I appreciate the modern quilt moving. Don't don't get me wrong on that. But, yeah, I use solids. That's why I always have to kind of laugh. And that quilt I talked about that was made in the 1800s, was, that was one of the ones that kind of inspired me to, to go ahead and look more into English paper piecing, um, it was all solid. Oh, it was. So, yeah, yeah. Mm. And if you look at some of these really old quilts, a lot of them are made for solid solids. Yeah. Um, well, maybe not a lot, but there's quite a few that use solids. But, yeah, it's just kind of like I like the look of, of what a solid can do. And, again, not that I never use. Uh, I'm looking at my design wall right now where I have – I love Jen Kingwell's prints, too, and I have – it's all polka
0: dots. <laughs> oh, I love polka dots too. Oh,
1: oh, yeah. What's that? I
0: love polka dots too.
1: I do too. Polka dots and stripes. I think they're they're kind of like my print. If that's my go to print mm-hmm. you can. I, I just think they give such a pop to quilts a lot. So I do use them too. Sure. But I, I use all kinds. I mean, I'll do reproduction. Um, you know, I'm I'm doing a couple now that are, you know, definitely their reproduction fabrics. And it's, you know, and you can, I, I don't know about you, but I get moves, too. Like, oh, I got to do this right now. Yeah. And then that's done. But the solid thing to stay, I like, so they're kind of a classic look. And now they're so easy to get. So many companies have come out with solid lines.
0: Right, right. Um, since you do, um, you know, the handwork, what kind of uh, needle and thread are your favorites to use?
1: Well, that was kind of my tip. Oh, okay. <laughs> do, yeah. When I do the, is that okay to say? Oh, yeah, 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 that's they, fine. <laughs> Okay, when I do um my English piecing, it really does make a difference um of of what you use. So I tell my students always no higher than a fifty weight thread. Um and they're very accessible and there are not every fifty weight thread is equal.
0: Correct. If you yeah.
1: look at some of the easily obtained threads that you find in big lot stores and everything, if you look at that compared to some of the other brands out there, they're a lot heavier. And it didn't used to be that way, but it is. So I prefer to use like a 50 weight or thinner thread. And for my needles, I have, can can we name brands? Is that okay? Oh yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay, Um, John James 12 Sharps Mm -hmm. and Hemming. Yeah. Um, They're both from England, but they're, they're here. You can find them just about anywhere. And if not, they're all over online. Um, same thing with that at 12, but I've been using milliner needles for a while now. Oh. They're a little bit longer, yeah. and I find out that people who have arthritis or have hand problems in my classes, a 12-milliner 12, a 12 is hard to find. They're, and, again, the higher the gauge in hand needles, the finer the needle.
0: Okay.
1: So, but an 11-milliner does a great job, too. They're really thin, but they're a little bit – they're definitely longer and they just seem to not put as much stress on people's fingers and hands. Um, but, again, I tell them as well, if you have to go to, like, a 10,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then do it. Because I'd rather have you sewing than not because it hurts your hands.
0: Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Those two things, if you use a fine-gauge needle and a finer-gauge thread, mm-hmm. the only uh, other caveat to that, when I do, I I, <laughs> I just taught a class um, that we – the. <laughs> the biggest size was a three eighth inch hexagon. Oh. We went 3 three-eighth, yeah, three8, and we went down to a quarter inch. And nobody said a word. I thought, oh, they're going to kill me. But you know, that's what we use. Then I recommend using um, Wonderfil thread. Makes uh, a polyester, and I was never polyester gal, but they have a hundred weight, which is like a hundred weight silk. So really? uh, and but silk's really expensive, yep. but if you like that and the fineness of that hundred weight, hundred weight, it's called Invisifil. It's not invisible thread. The name of the thread is Invisifil, oh. and it comes in different colors. And they also make an eighty weight um, called Decobond, Decobob, oh. which um, that makes a difference because if you have a quarter inch side on a hexagon, you don't have that many stitches that no. you can put across. And you're done. So the finer gauge thread, I mean, the really, really fine gauge thread helps a lot.
0: Right. And when you're you're taking these stitches, how close Uh together uh, do you do you take them? (laughs) How can you put a measurement Um, on that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. When people see my quilt, uh, like I've had women hold them up and they'll start arguing with each other. You know, she did this on the machine, and then the other one's sewn. How could she have sewn? And I know they're not on the machine; they're made by hand. It ju- Karen, it just has something to do with your mind and your hand. I, um, I, I've heard this long ago. It has, It's a scientific something or other. But you get into this thing like by, by the width of the needle, you know, the, the tiny little width of that needle. Mm-hmm. Somehow your eye and your mind and your hand work together to just put them together close. I have bad eyes. I do not have good eyes, and mm-hmm. I'm, you know, everybody in my family is always saying, "How much more light can you possibly need?" I need a lot of light, but you just get into a rhythm, and I mean, they are they are really close together, and they look teeny tiny. But I don't plan it that way. It uh-huh. it truly, it, it sounds weird, but your mind and your eye and your hands. Just get into a rhythm, and that's what happens. It doesn't necessarily start out right away, so people should not be discouraged, but it can happen.
0: Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, And I know you said that you like teaching. Do you teach? What other things do you teach?
1: Um, Okay. I mainly teach English piecing, and I have a bunch of um, tips and, and different things that I've come up with that I usually use in my classes, and foundationless piecing is by far you know, the most popular class and people hear about that and I, I love New York Beauty. So we a lot of times base it around New York Beauty. Mm-hmm. And I'm also certified instructor with Deb Tucker, Studio One Eighty Design. Um if I don't know if you're familiar with her products no. or not. No. But um two of my favorite with her, she does a Hunter's Star that the ruler that it's rapid fire hunters star ruler. Um to me, I don't think I'll ever make a Hunter Star another way again. It's really, and same thing with the LeMoyne Star. Oh, yeah. So they're two real popular classes, too. It's, it's kind of a strip-piecing technique that I'm glad I didn't have to figure it out because I think she's pretty much a genius. I don't know how her mind works. She's a math person. But um, I just trust that she did it, and it, they work together beautifully. So they're kind of like the main things. Um, yeah, right now, that's that's probably at those three different techniques um different kind of subcategories there.
0: Okay. And when uh, when are you gonna be teaching? Do you have anything planned for um next year?
1: Next year right now, the only thing I have set firm is in February. I'm teaching in South Carolina. It's the foundation with uh teaching class at York County quilters Guild. I'm a member of that too. Mm-hmm. Um and then I'm hoping I I've taught at the Wisconsin Quilt Expo for the last several years and I teach at a couple of retreats, but I don't want to say yes. I'm going to be there because we don't know yet. We're now submitting all our contracts and, oh, okay. and seeing what's happening. But I need to get it up on my website. So
0: okay, okay. Tell us about um, the Wisconsin uh, Quilt Expo. Wasn't that wasn't that started by Nancy Zeman, who just passed yeah, away this it past was. week?
1: Yeah, this year I'm going to probably start tearing up because we all we know is we just I don't know when this podcast is going to hit, but as of us recording it, Nancy just passed away this past week. And it was really sad. Um, yeah, she. It, it's a fantastic expo. Um, it's really big, and they have classes all three days. And this past year, I was fortunate enough to be asked to teach on a pre-day. They. Um, I didn't even know they offered that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it goes. Yeah, it's a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, um, and it's usually the first. Right around the first. Weekend of September is generally when they have it. Oh, okay. It's in, Madison, it's in Madison, Wisconsin. And, yes, Nancy started it. We were told that it is still going to continue. And she was just such a presence there. I remember the first year I taught there, I was so honored to be asked to teach there. And she was – you can you see her all over the place. And I just happened to see her at a time when she was not talking with somebody else. She's usually – surrounded by people, and I walked up to her and just said, hi, I said, I'm just so thankful for the opportunity to teach here, you know, thank you so much, and she just looked me right in the eye, I could see her eyes kind of dip down to see my name tag, so she could get my name, and she said, oh, Jane, she said, we're so happy to have you, she was so sweet and so gracious, and she must have talked probably to thousands of people that day, but you could find her, I mean, there's just like this big lunch common area and she just pop down and sit down with people and and talk with them or they have charity holding going on the whole time where they, you know, have long arms and, and machines set up and people pressing. And you know, there she'd be working away if she wasn't walking the floor. I mean, just a wonderful, wonderful, gracious woman, and she has left such a legacy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, this was the first year she couldn't be there. She found out I think right before the expo this year how things had progressed and um they had a giant wall um two-sided that people left notes and everything for her it was it was very touching but very sad
0: oh uh, yeah yeah she's left a big hole I um you know we yeah. all have our own our own stories I used to watch her like every Saturday morning uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. I was I was laying in bed and I would call my sister and we would sit or we both be on the phone, just watching her. And we would be like, Oh my gosh, I never thought of doing, you know, something mm-hmm. that way. She had, you know, so many great tips, you know, she, she's going to really be missed. Um,
1: she is. yeah. I mean, yes, yeah, she is. But the, the X is going to continue. Um, they have a, you know, huge team and, um, you know, her, her Nancy's notions are still going to keep going on. And, um, when I was up there, you know, naturally everybody was talking about her, and you know they said that she had filmed, the, you know, the last year she has. So we'll we'll still see a few new episodes with her. Oh, okay. Um, but I think that I, I can't even imagine they pull them. I think it's probably PB, one of PBS's is mainstays, and I sure hope they have a you know good sense to keep them coming.
0: Yeah, I do too. I'm, I'm hoping they'll keep. Keep showing them because mm-hmm. I, I I love them personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Always learn something from watching, watching her show, and you can you can translate it. In, so many times you can translate it into you know uh, into the quilting world.
1: Oh yeah, well she started. I guess I don't know how long it's been, but they've definitely been quilting heavy the last several years for sure. Oh Cause yeah. I think in the beginning it was mostly garments. Yeah, and then you know she's just you know branched down as a quilting end too. But yeah, wonderful woman, right. absolutely
0: wonderful. Right, right. Um, let's see. I think we were. Um, you had mentioned a uh, quilt mania to me. I'd never heard of that. Tell oh. me more about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, Quilt Mania is a company. Um, they started in France, and they, they the they started with a magazine called Quilt Mania, and it was available here in the United States in English, but. Again, it came from France, <laughs> so it's quite. It was quite expensive. Um, then they started publishing books, and the same thing. They are well worth every penny. They're beautiful books, absolutely gorgeous. But again, they had to come all the way from France, so not just the price of the book itself, but having to pay for the shipping and everything. Right. Well, just a couple of years ago. They now have uh, a branch in Atlanta. <laughs> oh, really? So we no longer have to deal with all that, yeah. So the price of the books have come down quite a bit. They're still pricey books, but they are, they are absolutely gorgeous and just jam-packed with beautiful things. They have three publications now, Quilt mm-hmm. and then they have Simply Modern, which oh, okay. has more of a modern spin to it. And I'm going to forget the next one, the, Um but it's more folksy.
0: Oh, okay. I, okay. I
1: can't remember the name. It's simply something. I have to find one of my magazines. I have it here, and I don't know where it is. That's but right. So now they have three publications, oh, not okay. just the one. But they are absolutely gorgeous. And, yeah, for those, um, one of the most popular books that came out over the recent years, and, again, when it first came out, um, I know I had a lot of people saying, can you get it for me, can you get it for me? And it came from France, and it was quite expensive, and now since we can get them here, but it was called Fiori, And if anybody does any English paper piecing, it hit the world by storm. Um, I'm going to butcher her name, so I'm not going to say it, of the woman who wrote the book. Okay. Um, but she, abs- she, did, she hand-sews, and she didn't even do English paper piecing. She mainly hand pieces, and they're phenomenal quilts. But they really adapt to English paper piecing. So um, I've talked with Quiltmania, and there but people have to still buy the book. But I do sell the mylar shapes, and because most of them, I mean, are you know hexagons, diamonds, squares, triangles. Um, there's a couple odd shaped ones, but um, I do sell quite a bit of the shapes that people need for um, for, her, for Quilt Mania's book.
0: Okay. Okay, that's good to know. That's good mm-hmm. to know.
1: But check it out, Karen, because they're beautiful book. Oh, really? <laughs>
0: Um, Quilt Mania, is it, What does it have a main focus? Is it all piecing, or?
1: Yeah, I would say. Okay. Um, I don't think, I'm trying to think now, um, as far as art quilts go, is pretty much where you're gleaning. Yeah, uh, I'm that, always that, yeah, interested I, in Yeah, I don't, Ollie, looking through, I'm trying to think back through the last, how many issues I've looked through. Um. I don't think they do, so okay. maybe that would be something. I mean, you can submit to them, so maybe that's another area where they may want to go ahead and branch out. I don't know. Okay. But um, I think with modern quilting, they saw the need to do simply modern, and
0: yeah. then
1: that's why they made, like, so quilt mania is, yes, yeah, it's basically your basic piecing, and, you know, they'll have applique and all that, but it's more what you would, I would consider traditional, and then simply modern Goes you know, more into the modern quilting movement, right? And then, what the other one is that I can't remember the name of. Um, that's definitely more folksy and uses a lot more wool and things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Speaking of modern, are you a member of the mm-hmm. Modern Quilt Guild? I am not a member.
1: Uh-huh. Um, I attended. I've only been able to go to I think one meeting of the guild here, um, but it is something on my my radar that I definitely would like to, right. you know, start doing. So possibly after the new year. Right now, I'm not going to add anything. For yeah. <laughs> until the holidays are over. Right. But um, yeah. Are you are you a member of the Modern Quilt Guild? I am.
0: I am. I haven't been in a while because of my work schedule, but yeah, mm-hmm, I'm a member.
1: Mm-hmm. And well, I... so that's the way it is with all of us. With all the guilds we belong to. Right. But,
0: right. So what else have you, um, what are you working on right now?
1: Um, well, <laughs> right now I'm getting ready for the holidays, and I have six grandchildren right now. Oh, my gosh. I and only, yeah, only my oldest, who is eight, ever got a quilt. From me. Uh, Everybody says, oh, I bet they have a the best quilt. Oh, bad so grandma. I uh, was teaching, and I used to vend, mm-hmm. so I really had to have a lot of samples and, you know, a lot of quilts. Um, not the kind that you would necessarily put in your grandchildren's bed. So I decided this year that I'm going to make quilts for my grandchildren. So I have four that are here in North Carolina. Uh Um, One is only 15 months old, so he doesn't have a a real preference right now. But my other three have all picked out, you know, a type of quilt. We're going to actually talk a little bit more about that. They're coming here for Thanksgiving. Um, So I'm trying to get quilts made for my grandchildren but on the, uh, on the business end of it, um, I am trying to get, well, some new designs out for uh, English piecing. And that quilt I talked about with a woman who lived over three centuries, I had contacted the magazine. I found them. They're still in operation in England. Mm-hmm. And I have plans, and now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm going to have to do it, um, to let them know that you know about the magazine, that i got it from and you know here's my interpretation of it and see if maybe they'd like to do a little bit about who she was and you know how i transformed it into what i did because i made a few changes on it mm-hmm. um from what she had done because she kind of hacked off some pieces <laughs> to make them fit together better so i sort of turned with it and turned some things so they're kind of on my radar now and also with quote mania um they gave me permission. Um, they have a beautiful book of Dutch quilts that oh. came out about a year and a half ago,
0: uh-huh. but
1: there's no patterns in them. It's just like a coffee table book of all these gorgeous quilts. So they contacted the author of that, and she said that's fine with her, so I'm trying to see how that will look um, to go ahead and maybe do some patterns for some of the quilts that are in that book so and and trying to get my website up and working thats that's another. Ongoing things, so after the first of the year, I'm hoping to reboot, have the website all ready to mm-hmm. be more user-friendly or more up-to-date, because right now I'm, I'm in the weeds with a lot of stuff right.
0: on there. <laughs> what is your, um, what is your uh, website, if people are interested?
1: Okay, it's my business name, www.plainjainthreads.com. That's, Plain that's Jane it. And if anybody wants to get in contact with me, um, there is a contact on there, uh, or my email is my business name plain at me dot com or my name Jane at max dot com so okay, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of okay well, I, anything
0: else that I forgot to ask you that you want to talk about?
1: Oh golly well, there I could like i I told you in the beginning I could go on first <laughs> for days and days when I get started on this, but uh no i just i i love to sew like you said you always see me with things you know in my hands when i i can't not have something go in my hands when i go to a meeting or go anywhere just about and that's what i love about english piecing it's so transportable once you get the little things cut out and throw some things in off you go and and you're ready to uh, to go with it. um knitting's the other one but um We'll say that for another time. Right. Uh-huh. Was, I think we covered it. Yeah, there's may I could I could again, Karen, I could go on and on and on. That's so, right. <laughs> you tell me if there's anything else you need to
0: know. Oh, I think that's good. I think that's good. Okay. Um Okay. Thanks. And uh let's see. Um I wanna thank our listeners uh for joining us today and I'll hope, I hope you'll make a quilt connection very soon.